it's the next level. Welcome, Primers, into this our Supergirl annual, Supergirl Season 3 annual uh, for the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. Uh, from the Showcast Spotlight, also here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. These, <laughs> we were joking about this the other day, these annuals this year, we don't want to seem unenthused, but we kind of are. Yeah, because they're <laughs> with the exception of one. There's one that I'm really excited to do, and everybody know, already knows what that show is. And I think it's next um, week, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we're doing Legends of Tomorrow next week. Yeah. So uh, that's the one that I don't even need to prep for, because I could just probably talk for hours. I actually had a long conversation with people that uh, at a party last night, and they were discussing time travel shows. And I'm like, who here watches Legends of Tomorrow? You and let me tell you why. Last night, and I wasn't invited. <laughs> it was it was a very new group of people for us so it was really it was it was uh it was a lot of icebreaker conversations gotcha but good time good time though yeah yeah it's um the supergirl one yo i i you know the out of all the shows it's probably my second favorite of the season this year so some i'm sure we'll have some stuff to talk about i don't know it's a toss-up between supergirl and flash yeah uh, they kind of they, they they fell in equal um points i think with things this year yeah. it's 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 kind of sad though that the last annual we're going to do is the one we're looking forward to doing the least yeah but you know what though we're going to be able to talk at great lengths <laughs> so it's okay I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing oh it's not a good thing at all no, no. <laughs> um because that means we have to talk about that longer but yeah it's yeah. it's gonna happen um yeah the arrow one's not gonna be pretty <laughs> so um but hey um the more and more I'm seeing about season seven, the more excited I'm getting. I so. am too. I'm, I'm really excited about that too. Same because I, again, I know we're not talking about really Arrow in this, but even the end of Arrow ended great. It, so it set up a wonderful, fun next season. It's just uh, there's a lot of a lot of problems, but we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but so. I mean, like even looking forward to Supergirl uh, at the same time, there's some stuff that's been announced about set this next season that. Uh, gets me excited for season four of Supergirl as well. So I'm not, we're not writing off these shows at all. I mean, we love doing this podcast and it, it was just a struggling year for some of these shows and not necessarily because the shows themselves were bad, but there were just a lot of elements. I mean, there was, um, you know, we had hiatuses in some of the shows, Supergirl in particular. We had, uh, Particular members of the writing team being accused of things and fired, which I'm sure definitely. And that one was very true. <laughs> uh, so that one was very true, and I think more importantly than any any other show, I think affected Supergirl more than any other show. Yeah, um, oh, Supergirl and the Flash. Uh, that was that was their that was their showrunner. Um, yeah, Kreisberg uh, was kind of like the uh, he was the driving force between Supergirl and Flash, and I think when he was when everything came out about that back in what was that October, I think. Uh, it was very early on. It was, I think, right around, um, right around Crisis. I yeah. think is when that came out, and maybe like 
but it was early on in the season, but it was early on where he was probably in midst of still hashing out plans in full for episodes and breakdowns and how things are going to run. And no, it, was, uh, it was before. No, no, you're right. I think it was, it was a little before crisis. Cause I remember being, I remember the whole, when everything broke about Kreisberg, it was a couple weeks before I was headed to Atlanta um, for heroes and villains, because we had meetings about how should we approach this? If this subject comes up, to like Stephen Amell and all these guys when they were on stage. So yeah. So I think it was probably like beginning of November that that stuff broke. Yeah. So yeah, pre-crisis, but uh, yeah, very early on. So only one month into the season. So that definitely shook the core of a couple of shows. And you could tell um, there was a kind of a, a tonal shift. And there was a point where some of the stories paused and paused in kind of a weird way where they kind of felt like they were doing early, early filler that while the story was getting built up, um, and you saw that in Supergirl, uh, especially with the Maggie and Alex angle. Uh, you saw it in the Flash, where they kind of um, they kind of felt like there was a pregnant pause in the show, uh, and then they kind of think, okay, this is how we continue on. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that played a very large factor. Um, but just in general, though, too, and I think you're going to hear us talk about this a little bit in some of the other annuals. Is one of the big key things was there was a general lack of excitement in a lot of these shows. Yeah. Uh, this year and um, with the exception of a few and th- there was episodes that just blew us out of the water um, but kind of mentally even thinking about it is did they blow us out of the water because the other ones were just kind of dull or was it because they were generally really great episodes so it, it, there's a little little interesting pieces to kind of look at all this and you know there's a couple of the great things about these shows uh, especially with Supergirl that we'll be about to dive into in, a, in just a moment here but uh, talking to David Harewood this year uh, and finding out before the stuff with him and Moraine really came into the forefront um, was really exciting when that actually played out. I'm like, oh, I now understand what what he was getting at that he didn't outright in state. Um, yeah. And it was ended up being some of the, my favorite stuff I've ever seen in the Airverse so far. So, oh, was, uh, uh, I'll be bringing that up because it is one of my it, it is one of my bullet points of this. Yeah. Uh, talking about that but you know what in, in all honesty i was thinking about that earlier too when we in, had that interview with david harewood it kind of popped up out of nowhere when we were because i just sent out a bunch of interview requests for you know around the hundredth and david harewood was one that when it came back i i think i texted you and i was like hey you want to talk to david harewood and it was just completely kind of out of the blue but we were extremely happy to get get the opportunity to talk to him. And I think with everything, with those interactions with David Harewood and Carl Lumby, you know, with John and Marin that happened throughout the show, this was the perfect time to talk to him. It was. I, I don't think it could have come at a better time because it was right when Carl Lumby had, had started appearing in the show. But as you had mentioned, it was before uh, we spoke to him pre- a lot of those interactions that we grew to love throughout the, this season. And I think it was just, it was perfect timing that we get to talk to him when we did. Yeah. So, so much so that it's actually my recommendation when we get to the end of the podcast is to go back and listen to that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so let's get, let's jump into the annual for, uh, for Supergirl season three. Uh, anybody who's new to the annuals, of course, are just a reminder for those of you that do listen, which we hope most of you do. These are the things we're going to cover. We're going to let you know our least favorite and favorite characters of the season, least favorite and favorite moment or aspect of the season itself, least favorite and favorite episodes of the show. Then we'll rate the villain and the seasons as well, or villains, I should say, uh, at the end of the discussion in our two-point rating 
as we usually do for more important things, our one to ten, one to three being sidekick, four to seven being hero, and eight to ten being legend. And then we'll talk uh, any additional notes, maybe even make some predictions for season four going into it. But I think when we did the Black Lightning one two weeks ago, I think we decided we were going to do least and then favorite. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's start with characters, because I think that's usually where we start. <laughs> so... Uh, least favorite character or characters for, cause I have a lot of honorable mentions for a couple different things that we're going through too. No honorable mention for least favorite character though. It was tough for me to pick just one and not because there weren't characters that I didn't like. It was more, there were just so many characters that felt, felt kind of flat this season yeah. that it was yeah. tough for me to pick one. Yeah, no, uh, the characters did feel flat. It was really what it boiled down to. It There was all these characters that you, you and I both love, but a lot of them didn't feel like they actually had stories or anything really to do this year. Um, like, I, I hate to say it, because he was one of our favorite characters in the past, was Wynn. Uh, Wynn very much felt like a very kind of drab and boring character this year, because, you know, it, he was just a couple of reactions. They had his one episode this year, which was the shot through, shot through the heart that was... Uh, Right around the time when um, I think the show came back from break. I think that was the first episode when they came back from break. Um, or not from break, but the, more specifically the hiatus, which was back in episode 14. No, it was it was a couple episodes in, actually, because uh, the, the mid-season finale was was rain. Or did they do a couple episodes? But well, No, no, was, you're right. When they, came, when they came back in April, that was shot through the heart. That was the first yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, because uh, they came back for like I think it was like five episodes after the episode called Rain, uh, where it was that big, huge, you know, knockout fight, uh, and it ended up just where they those characters just they didn't feel like they knew what to do with them. Um, you know, Jimmy Olsen was like that this year, where they just didn't feel like they knew what they wanted to do with him up until near the end. Uh, same thing with Win. You know, there was just um, a lack of forward motion for a lot of characters and so when they actually did have something major happen, the payoff was just kind of like, well, we have to do something to change the viewpoint for next year and it kind of all came out there and it made sense but it didn't feel like season or story arcs. It was like, here's a two or three episode changeover for what's what's to come. So it was kind of a little odd ground but well, well not only that but we had one or two characters that we saw in the earlier parts of the season that completely disappeared in the second half yes um, morgan edge <laughs> who, ended up, who ended up being my least favorite character and not because of the actor portraying him but because it was a character they built up and built up and built up and then just poof gone like they completely forgot about his existence whatsoever and I would have loved to have seen a lot more from him because yeah, he did feel a little bit like Maxwell Lord, but they could have done a lot more with him in bed. Let's bring in intergang by the end of this with him and really shake up the core of what this character is going to do and be involved. That becomes a catalyst against Lena even more so and Supergirl. So it would have been, would have been great to see. And I thought that's where they were going, but they just, it fizzled out. Yeah. So he ended up just feeling like another Maxwell Lord a character that also disappeared uh, in, in, you know, especially when this went from CBS to CW. And it was disappointing, to say the least, is it was a character that had a lot of potential, but was feeling like another repeat, you know, cut like third rate Lex Luthor, 
uh, a second rate Morgan Edge or uh, not Morgan Edge, uh, Maxwell Lord. And it was just kind of like, okay, you guys have done this character. If you're going to build him up like this, you got to do something big. And they just refuse to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you too. I mean, but my, you know, going into my least favorite character for the season, Thomas Colville, played by Chad Lowe. Great actor portraying him. We, we've even seen him come in and direct a couple episodes of the show this season, but he was, Thomas Colville was a character that I think, and when we first are introduced to him is felt like a very one-off character. He was in one episode with, you know, the, the whole, uh, cult of Supergirl in which, I had a feeling, I, I had the inclination that when we saw this character and the way the episode wrapped up, we were never going to see this character again. And then we see his character pop up a couple more times later towards the end of the season, be incorporated more into the main storyline that, that's going on with the Kryptonians. So you're led to believe, okay, there's a possibility there's more to this character. He's going to be more entailed. We start making predictions as to, like, hell, he might even become the new world killer. And then they do nothing with him. They, they do, he, he just ends up sacrificing himself, uh, or not even sacrificing himself. I think he's just killed at the end of it. Well, yeah. Like, they, well, they kill him. Then he gets into the pod, uh, to send the signal, uh, or John Ship to send the signal so they knew where he was, but he died there. Uh, like, but they didn't even really clearly state it. It was just kind of like, well, he's gone. Um, yeah, it was a uh, man. It, it just felt like a pointless character, you know. <laughs> yeah, he did. He felt like a pointless character, and that's one of the reasons why he's my least favorite from from the sh- from the season this year. So let's turn the tide and talk about some of our favorite characters this year because I know we have a couple. Uh, the one that I know you chose for your favorite, I knew you were going to choose for your favorite. Uh, he was one of mine as well, but for that reason, uh, I didn't because I had a couple. And so I went with a different one, but I'll let you go off. Um, and what was, uh, your favorite character of the season? Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, good old Carl Lumby, man. Uh, Marin Jones was such a wonderful, wonderful piece of, uh, you know, the puzzle of what created, you know, this season. And, uh, Again, one of my favorite things about these shows consistently is the family dynamics, uh, which I beat into the ground every time we talk about (laughs) Supergirl or The Flash and why it's so important, because it's the connecting point. It's the reason why you connect to these superheroes, um, because they're basically modern day gods, essentially. And it's it humanizes them in such a great way. And, you know, Martian Manhunter has been like everybody always says for years and years and years. He is the heart of the Justice League. Um, and, you know, watching the way that it plays out, seeing him and his father in this, and you understand why John Jones is because the heart of it is because his father was the heart of, uh, you know, is was also the heart of this world and especially this season of Supergirl. Yeah, um, it was something amazing to watch. You know, Carl Lumby, who is a person that, you know, as he's portraying Marin, my brain didn't even put together the first time he came on screen. And I failed to remember that he was the voice of Martian Manhunter from justice league, justice league unlimited. And you're like, Oh my God, this is so beautiful and so perfect. But then when you even put that aside, the story that they chose to tell of those two characters was just beautiful. I really, really just adored everything that they did here with, with this whole, whole storyline and dynamic between the two of them with Marin, you know, kind of dealing with the equivalent of Alzheimer's, um, and watching that impact on him as a character and his dynamic with his son. Um, it was just so beautifully done, but he brought such this beautiful light to the season. 
and I really, really wish we would have gotten even more of him. But for every appearance he, you know, he had, man, they definitely made the most of it. No, I agree with you completely. Again, he was one of my favorite characters of the season as well. Uh, going so far into, you know, you mentioned the father-son dynamic, which was one of my, and kind of falls into another category of the things we're going to talk about during this annual. So I'll, I'll save it for that too. Uh, but that, that whole dynamic between him and John, kind of saved a couple episodes for me as well, which is, again, we'll talk about that as we go to different categories. But knowing that you were going to choose that one and knowing how well you were going to talk about it, because I agree with everything that you said about the dynamic and the, the beauty of Carl Lumby coming back and portraying that character, which we've mentioned that a number of times, the loyalty that DC has when it comes to bringing back actors. I mean, we've seen Dean Kane, Terry Hatcher, Helen Slater, uh, how many people have we seen from other inclinations of shows, even now voice actors coming over to portray different characters from the show as well. And we're getting into next season and Sam Witwer is coming in who played Doomsday on Smallville. Sam, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm still waiting for the Jonathan Schneider appearance somewhere in the show who played Jonathan Kent in Smallville. Oh, I'm sure it's coming. I, I would love to see it coming. I, I, I'm because I love Jonathan Schneider, so and I loved his portrayal of Jonathan er, of um, Jonathan Kent. So I, I would love to see it happen at some point. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite character, what I chose, and I do have an honorable mention for this as well. That's not Carl Lumby, is Monel. Uh, I think it was a big. Uh, I think it was a big help to the story when Monel did return. We we did get some. Some pouty Kara moments out of it because she was dealing with a lot of things, but uh, I didn't mind them. Plus, it was great seeing, and I'm kind of going to steal from one of your upcoming things, uh, seeing the cape work and seeing Monel uh, suited up for the first time. He looked awesome in the suit that they chose. And not only that, but it kind of goes more into the whole father son dynamic uh, again that I'll talk about later. We saw it with Carl Lumby and uh, David Harewood, but we also saw it a lot with Chris Wood and David Harewood as well. We saw some really great moments between the two of them, kind of connecting as a uh, surrogate relationship, surrogate yeah. father and surrogate son relationship as well, which those moments that we saw throughout this season, which there were only a couple, but every time they hit. So, uh, yeah, Monel definitely my one of my favorite characters this season honorable mention brainiac five yeah yeah he was easily <laughs> my my uh honorable mention and it's a character i don't think we really got a ton of uh you know i, I well that's i don't it's not a think we did not get a ton of them. <laughs> uh, he only had a handful of appearances and some of them were a, a lot lighter uh than uh expected and i will say though I'm really interested in seeing what they do with him and how much they get to play with him next year. Yeah. So no, I agree completely. And it's the, the moments that you, that we did get from him, like you said, we're, we're kind of few and far between, but, and some of them were kind of light, but some of the ones that we got were absolutely hysterical. Some of the interactions that he had with Wynn were, were brilliantly funny. And I'm very curious to see how they're going to play on that now we're obviously going to get more of him going into next season. No interactions with Wynn, however, though, because uh, the character is leaving the show uh, or is going to be a, a short, a part-time basis in going into season four. So I'm sure we'll see some of those interactions, probably not as many as we would like, but I'm curious to see if we're going to see some of those interactions come out of him and other characters. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Let's go into favorite and least favorite moments or aspects of the season. And we'll kick it off with least favorite as, as we have done before. Um, I'm going to lead off on this one. If that's sure. all go right. Uh, my least favorite moment aspect. And when we were prepping for this, you kind of almost forgot that this was part of this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, is we saw obviously the introduction of Maggie in season uh season two and going more into uh the the whole relationship with maggie and alex when it ended uh because of um the actress leaving the show the the maggie withdrawal lingered on way too long into this season i mean i understand it's a big heartbreak and it kind of led towards some things towards the end of the season as well with you know Maggie wanting to have a child after interacting with Samantha so much and feeling like she could, she, that's something she can never do. <coughs> Excuse me, being a part of the DEO. <coughs> oh my God. Sorry. It's okay. My, my, my throat's doing it too. So I apologize. I keep muting my mic to cough and it sneeze. So it's okay. Uh, yeah. But it's, I mean, we saw part of this and now the only time it was kind of acceptable to me was we did see a little bit of it into the crisis on earth X. But I liked it in Crisis on Earth X because it was it was with a little bit of humor and it led to the the Alex and Sarah interactions that we uh, got yeah, out as, of that. Which, as we continue, Sarah Lance is banging through time and space. <laughs> yes, yeah. so I, I was fine with it in that because it was it was done with a little bit of humor. So, but even after that, there's even post Crisis, there's still there's still some of those moments where like we get that we get her her lingering in her depression and like oh you know and alex this and alex that and i'm like can we just let this be done already like it, yes breakups happen and they happen to everybody but it's kind of infringing yeah. on the storyline at this point now and that's i think the problem was it was it was stalling out alex's character development um and it was i again it, it was very human and real. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, where she was having a hard time moving past it because there's plenty of people that go through that, and that's exactly how it functions. Um, but I think uh, because you only have you know 23 episodes to kind of tell your story and be able to move things along when you're repeating messages over and over, it's something that the Flash had a problem with this year too. Uh, it really kind of um, it feels like a splinter in the show's side. And you just, it's constantly there and you just want to get rid of it. And it just, it just never felt like it got away. Like they're like, oh, cool. We got most of it out, but there's still a little bit in there and it's kind of annoying you at this point. And no, that's where I, it kind of ended. Yeah. And you kind of hit the nail on the head too with that. With the splintered way is, um, you know, you're, you're turning, you're, you're driving that nail into the board, but you're driving it so far in that the wood itself is starting to crack. And, you know, the nail being the Alex and Maggie storyline and the, the board being the actual character development. And it's like you said, you're, you're going so far with that nail that it's, it's starting to crack and splinter. And that's not good. It lowers the integrity of the board, aka the story. So uh, you're just, they went way too far into it and. They, 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 they should have cut it much, much. I, I feel like Crisis probably should have been the last we saw of it. Yeah, and just purely just from the angle and the aspect of there's more, we have a lot more to do <laughs> right now. It's not that it wasn't an important story and important to her character. Um, it was just there were so much other things happening. Like, 
Monel just woke up the episode before Crisis. Yeah, the, one of the best episodes in in this this season was immediately the episode after Crisis, which was the big rain fight. Then followed up a Legion of Superheroes, and you're like, okay, guys, we gotta we, we gotta move past this. It's important at this point. We can't keep bringing this up because your story is just went into full tilt, and you can't you can't pump the brakes right now to do this. And that was that that became a concern. So, yeah, no, agreed, agreed completely. Uh, what about you? What was your uh, least favorite moment slash aspect so, of the season? I, so I it, this is got to kind of roll into the villain stuff a little bit. Um, you know, the more and more I thought about it, the, my biggest issue, hands down, was the world killers themselves. Um, it was not rain. Rain was fine. Uh, it was purity, purity and pestilence, um, where characters that they brought in and kept building up. They're like, there's more world killers when they get pulled together. But they were only together for like two episodes. And then they're like, well, they're dead. And you're like, wait, what? What just happened? I'm like, I, I, it's, my brain goes to uh, a Zoolander in that infamous line. I was like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills or something. And that's exactly what it felt like. And I'm like, but you've been building this up for like a month and a half. We just went on this long hiatus. And now the show is back and you're saying, oh, yeah, uh, that, that's done and over with. And I'm like, wait, what? What? No, no. What, what, seriously, what, what just happened? <laughs> and so it didn't make sense. It completely confused the hell out of me. And then they added this other layer that didn't need to be there, which was like, the Kryptonian witches and all that. And I'm like, no, just let it be rain. Just leave it be. <laughs> like, it, 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 they they complicated a situation that didn't need to be complicated. They could have just said, nope, here's this this character. And instead of doing the witches, we got these great couple sequences we saw with Sam this season uh, where she was looking into a mirror and she looked like the classic traditional rain. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to build up to this where she looks like like the doomsday type. Um, you know, just it's like that sleek version of Doomsday she, like she has in the comics, and I'm like, let's build to that. That'll be really cool. And then she just, it, it, they, they felt like they added layers upon layers upon layers where they were fine with the first one. It's like having a really crappy parfait. Like the top is phenomenal. You get to the, the, and they're like, wait, why, why did somebody put mayonnaise in here instead of whipped cream? And it, that's it, it's, it, it confused the hell out of me, and it didn't make sense. It, it was. It was really bothersome to, for them to build up this giant plot line that was so unnecessary where we already had the catalyst and the catalyst was perfect and it worked because we liked Sam so much as a character and her daughter Ruby, and how they interacted with people like Lena and Kara and all these stuff. And then when you added purity and pestilence, and I understand the purity angle of it because of how it connects the Legion to superheroes and that, that made sense. But adding even, you know, the, the the next stage into it, it didn't make sense. But again, it was because they built up even the purity angle of it all with the Legion of Superheroes story and that starting to unfold. And it was a flash in the pan. It, it really just didn't matter. Like, well, she's done. Future safe. All the problems are taken care of. And you're like, okay. So that <laughs> happened. And, and it was just, but it was felt like this whole purpose was just for them to name drop without name dropping the original Brainiac. That's all it was. It was a setup for a joke with a no punch. Like, with a, a bad punchline. That's essentially what it felt like. Well, I mean, even like you mentioned pestilence too, you know, pestilence and, um, and purity, you meant, you know, purity did play a, a part in the story as well, but pestilence, pestilence came close to being one of my least favorite characters this season, because what, what did we get her one episode? You know, they were building up all these different world killers and we got pestilence, I think for one episode and maybe, no, maybe it was two. Um, 
but they built the the development of pestilence of purity more than they did pestilence. Pestilence was like literally like okay, we flipped the switch and now she's pestilence and I think within like two episodes she was already gone. Yeah, it was uh yeah, it was um not 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 the best. So but hey, you know, um I, I, yeah, it just frustrates <laughs> me a little bit. No. My brain just kind of stalled. Um yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. It was just yeah, it was. It, it didn't need to be there. It really didn't need to be there. Well, let me let me pick it up for you a little bit. What were your What was your favorite moment or favorite moment or aspect of the season? I uh, okay. So I got to say because we we haven't given them enough love yet. Man, the <laughs> Legion of Superheroes. The <laughs> Legion of Superheroes in this were so much fun to have there. Uh, Monel as this as you even mentioned when you were saying your favorite character. Seeing Monel grow that much yeah. from the last time we saw him to now, and you're like, oh my god, this is a totally different character. Which made sense, absolutely, why Kara and him didn't get back together, because it was like watching two different people. Uh, you understood that they still had a connection, but to Monel, it was a long time ago. Um, so where Kara, they kept building up that idea. I was like, no, this was, this was like a couple months. He's like, it's been, what, nine years, he was saying for him? Um, you know, so it was, you know, it was amazing to see that. But then you brought Saturn Girl into the mix, you brought Brainiac in, and watching kind of the chaos that came of them being around uh, was an interesting plot development points. But like Brainiac and Wynn having that connection, which was really fun to watch, um, and even just watching, you know, Saturn Girl kind of butt heads a little bit with Kara, but not like in a bad way. It was. It, it brought up a, a new twist on things that Kara had to deal with, where she you now had to deal with jealousy and all these other things and kind of feeling betrayed. And watching even her kind of holding back stuff from Monel as well and saying, well, this is really why we're here. All these little pieces um, just kind of unfolding and them kind of involved in the situation was really enjoyable. And then, of course, I got to say, too, the Legion flight rings finally being seen on screen was great to see. And then, obviously, cape fighting. Cape fighting was so great. Um, and uh, my absolute, absolute favorite thing, I'll actually say for my favorite episode. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, but my only... I only have one complaint when it comes to the Legion. And that is the fact that we did see all those additional tubes in the ship, and we kind of predicted that there were other Legionnaires that were there as well. And it kind of went unexplained until, what, the finale... Yeah, that there and, were other people there. And, but, but, but we do know we're going to see a few of them next year. We, uh, we, well, yeah. I mean, they, they're kind of, they're going to make up for it next season. But there was always that mystery all season as to, okay, who else is in the tubes? And it really wasn't until closer to the end of the season that it was revealed to us that, hey, we, we there are other legionnaires in the tubes that came with us. We can't let them out because of this virus that due to purity and, uh, you know, due to the, due to this, this issue with purity. But now that purity has gone, we can let them out. We're not going to because we're, we're going home. So it's, it, I, my only complaint was that it was kind of just left unexplained until the end of the season. But yeah. what we got, as you mentioned, out of Emra and Monel and Brainy was fantastic. So I, I really can't fault them too much on that. 
yeah, at no, all. Absolutely. But my favorite moment of the season, my favorite aspect of the season itself, is something we've kind of already touched on a couple of times, and it's that father son dynamic. Uh, we we've we've seen that through through many different shows, and it's one of the things that these writers are really able to nail. I mean, we've seen father-son dynamics with, uh, you know, in The Flash with Cisco and Wells. We've seen it in Arrow now with, you know, with Oliver and William, uh, who are actual father and son. And now another actual father and son. We're seeing it many times throughout this season, at least for a short period of time that, that we got to enjoy Carl Lumby, we got to see that father-son dynamic of David Harewood and Carl Lumby, a.k.a. John and Marin. And when we got it, it was so touching. I don't think there was one time that we had these two characters interacting with each other that it didn't feel, one, completely natural, and two, like almost like these actors were father and son. Yeah. And uh, we know we know that's not the case. Actually, I think they're kind of relatively close in age. I could be wrong about that. Um, So if David Harewood ends up listening, don't take that as an insulting thing at all Um, or Carl Lumbee for that matter. But it's it, it even saved a couple episodes for me as well. I mean, when we get into like least favorite episode, which is the next thing we're going to touch base on uh, one of the ones that would have been at the bottom of the list that might have got nominated, which was um, uh, In Search of Lost Time, where they they have all those psychic disturbances happening throughout the DEO. It was the relationship of... It was the interactions at the end of that episode between John and Marin that saved that episode for me. So the interaction between those two of them, I think... I don't think there's anything more... I could have put above that as my favorite part of the season. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I you know, again, we, we always talk about the family dynamic, especially in a show. And man, you're right. It's just the, it was a really beautiful part of the season. And again, I mean, it's something we mentioned earlier too, when I mentioned Monel as my, as one of my favorite characters of the season is that father son dynamic doesn't just play into just Monel and Marin or not Monel, um, John and Marin they are the biggest chunk of it, but we did see it in many other aspects. We saw it. We saw it with John and Monel. We've seen it many, many times throughout this season of uh, with John and Kara and Alex. So I, I'm I'm going to adapt it a little bit. When I say father son dynamic, it's going to be family dynamic because yeah. it it does affect other characters as well. But one way, any way you look at it. John is one of the biggest components of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he is that surrogate father uh, and actual son to, you know, some of these characters. So it works out. Uh, episodes of the season, starting with least. I mentioned, you know, one of my one of the ones at the bottom of the list was in search of lost time. But and again, this was another one that was kind of tough for me to distinguish because there were quite a few episodes that felt kind of, again, flat, like some of the characters, like the writing really, really suffered. But my least favorite episode of the season goes to episode 21, not Kansas. And Yep, and I'm right there with you, so we're just going to have this conversation together. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons why I kind of led into it, because I knew it was yours as well. And 
the biggest reason behind this is, and this is one of the, the biggest critiques we've had from some of these shows. We've had it with Arrow, we've had it with Supergirl, we've had it with Flash. Legends is the only one that has never suffered from this critique. And it's because it's so off the wall that it really, there's no way to approach it. I applaud any show that wants to touch on real life issues. Uh, you know, it's there's stuff that we have to deal with every day. But here's my thing about that. You you have to do it to a certain degree. I watch these shows, and I'm sure many other people out there, I watch these shows as an escape from reality. So one of the last things I want to see is a show get overly political. Yes, touch base on political issues, that's fine. Take a stand on political issues, that's fine. But sometimes you can go too far. And that particular episode, not Kansas, this is the episode with the the DEO guns being adapted for street use and being out on the street and John going on a, a like a, a tirade to get these guns off the street. They shouldn't be on the street. And there's different sides of the argument. Some people from the DEO think they should be. Some people think they shouldn't be. This was just a very over-politicalized episode of the show. Oh, yeah. They, they brought up bump stocks, all these yes. things. And like it was just kind of like... All right, guys, it's if you could pull back just a little bit, like you could do the story. But we even said when we reviewed this episode, you know, there was there's was, there was ways for them to do this and make it work. Uh, I, I don't remember all the points of it specifically. Just go back, uh, you know, to the the one of the episodes where we were talking about this again. Uh, you can just track back three episodes from from the end um, where we really launch into this pretty heavily. And yeah, it's uh they're, they, you know, Supergirl is the show that does this the most, um, and sometimes they really, really succeed. Like I said, season two when they were kind of dealing with xenophobia, and they did that through the lens of all these, you know, aliens that are kind of settling in National City. Um, they did it so wonderfully and beautifully, and, and really touched upon it in all the right ways. And uh, this season, man, they tripped up in a lot of places. This obviously being the absolute worst of them, uh, but like we had. You know, they basically did uh, you know, the lead in the water uh, episode um, with Morgan Edge in the beginning of the season, um, which was really over the top. It was yeah. the kids getting sick from lead poisoning, which was episode five called Damage. Um, they did uh, they did not have the best dialogue in the world. I think it was like episode tr- uh, episode three where it was um, Alex and Maggie um, meeting up with Maggie's estranged father. And there was some really heavy-handed, um, you know, dialogue between, I think, her father uh, and her, like, you know, the, the mention of, you know, Maggie's mom and the way that, you know, her coming out came out. But, like, it felt like a PSA versus a real conversation. And it was the good message to try to get across. Oh, absolutely. Their, di- their dialogue and the way it was acted and worded just felt poor it, it came off the complete wrong way like i said all their concepts and ideas worked it's just the portrayal and the way that they did it again i think it, it, like i said it comes off like a psa and that's what you never want these to come off as you want them to feel natural and real it was as they're sitting there you know we see in you know the episode we're talking about here not kansas lena and and you know uh jimmy sitting there at, at catco and having this conversation it was just kind of like wait you're four guns such and such and such and the way that it was done i'm like oh my god stop just stop 
like when I say the Arrow episode did it better, <laughs> which if you know <laughs> the episode I'm talking about, you remember the tirade I went off of. And when I think that did it better than this one did, this proves on how bad I think they handled this. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. And it's it's one of those things that like there was two storylines that were happening throughout this episode. We had the one with John and, you know, the DEO and the guns hitting the street, which was our biggest part. But there was also the, the Kara storyline with Kara coming back from Argo City and, you know, um, you know, the things that happened with that. But that wasn't enough to make up for what they were doing. It feels like that they in this particular episode the the gun issue was the bigger of the two. And it would have been one thing had you kind of swapped those roles and had Kara and the storyline of returning from Argo City and feeling the way she did being the main part of the story. But that felt secondary to this. And you, you mentioned it earlier that, you know, none of the other shows really kind of drive this point home as much. You know, it, no Supergirl does the real life issues more than anything else. I mean, we've seen the LGBT stuff that's come up, uh, you know, obviously the guns and things like that. And we've gotten immigration uh, arguments that have come out of the show as well, obviously with aliens coming to earth, which I feel like I think is going to play a huge part into season four. But I, I to, to kind of correct you on that a little bit, I think black lightning kind of does it. A little bit more. Granted, Supergirl has more issues, uh, more episodes, and has had three seasons to do it, opposed to yeah. Black Lightning. But Black Lightning, it was kind of the narrative throughout the entire season. Oh yeah, but I mean, I, I, the reason I kind of, you know, I, I, we talked about that in the annual for Black Lightning. I think it's really what it boils down to for that show, though, is that is that that, that show's core concept. And um, true, but I also think that the way they do it, they do Black Lightning does it better than any of these shows because it feels real. And it feels like a natural part of the story versus sh- shoehorning in a message. Um, it, like it feels like every time they do this in Supergirl, I'm waiting for a camera uh, character to break the fourth wall, look at the screen, and then we go to the more you know star <laughs> going across. And that's what it always feels like in yeah. Supergirl when they do it. Like they, or at least not it, not always, but I'm talking about specifically in season three. You know, that's it felt like that happened constantly in season three, where season two it felt natural. So yeah, it's it's weird how uh, you know. How you mentioned too, we're we're comparing, uh, you know, not Kansas to uh, Spectre of the Gun, which was the Arrow episode you mentioned earlier, where they addressed the issue as well. So it's and how <laughs> we're criticizing Supergirl more than Arrow for the way Arrow approached it, but Arrow actually approached it in a pretty decent way. Uh, I, well, you and me will will always look on the opposite sides of that one. So yeah, <laughs> okay. we'll we'll see. It's we'll talk. Quite okay, we'll talk about that in a couple. You know, uh, down the road, we'll we'll talk about that. But oh, but that's still in, in Arrow. That still will not be my least favorite episode. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure we could do a full episode on the worst episode of Arrow of this season. Oh my we god, could guests for that. Yeah, if you wanted to as a as a you know, end cap to our annuals. This year. I don't think there's any question when we get to the arrow annual, what our least favorite episode of the, of the season was, because not only did we go off on that episode that week, but I think that was one of our highest rated of our, of our normal weekly episodes, because there were so many people online listening to other people's opinions on that horrible episode that we got a lot of hits yeah. because of that. All right, so. we got to get this train back on the track. Yes, I've got thirty-four minutes before uh, I gotta. I, 
absolutely have to balance. Well, we're almost done. We're almost done. Okay. We, yeah. um, so let's talk about our favorite episode of the season, and I'll let you kick this one off. All right. So tying into, I, and I think we're both in agreement on this too. Yeah, I think so. So, but this also ties into my favorite favorite moment. Something I've been begging for for since the start of this show. The most important character in Supergirl lore made made its appearance in this episode, episode six, season three, Midvale, where Streaky the Supercat is the real <laughs> hero of the show. Uh, but now uh, Streaky just makes a quick appearance uh, in. in um, Yo, actually, I don't even think it was that episode, was it? No, I don't think it. No, no. Streaky happened in a in a. Um, that was the. Uh, that she was, was the under. Brainy. She was under Brainy's trance. Right, right, right. When right, Streaky right. popped in, so that was a later episode. But uh, Midvale itself, though, phenomenal, phenomenal episode, which where we see Kara kind of coming to terms and dealing with you know Monel uh, not being back yet and kind of trying to get over through things, uh, and then we see Alex uh, dealing with um, the the breakup between her and Maggie, and they go back home. And they tell this really beautiful flashback story of that really it really felt like a a back ended pilot for the did. show. It, it, it felt like this origin story that you know, of watching Kara and Alex really become sisters, and it was really beautifully done. Um, and it 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 felt like a, a little you know, watching them go through a murder mystery. It's Kara and her like really only friend she has, and like he is murdered by a corrupt cop. And when you watch kind of this this young actress portray this character, man, they all had, you know, the ticks down, the way that they move, talk. Those kids were phenomenal. And it, it definitely had that wonderful, wonderful vibe where you sometimes, like I said, you only get one or the other with child actors. It feels like you get extremely superb performances where you just believe it or you get really shaky they don't feel like they they've got what they need to keep this story moving and the momentum they need but man here they just it was definitely the latter they they nailed this so well took this really beautiful story and then intercut it with car and alex getting over new trauma by kind of looking back at old trauma and it was this wonderful story and it's one of these episodes that i've gone back and watched several times and i still think to this day phenomenal and one of the best episodes of Supergirl will probably remain one of the best. No, I, I agree with you completely. Um, and it was an episode with zero superheroics. Zero. Well, not only that, but it kind of felt like it, again, I, I, I bring up that it felt kind of like a back-ended uh, pilot, but this was also Supergirl's attempt, successful attempt, I might add, to kind of go into the Smallville foray. You know, Smallville created a, a, a show that ran for 10 seasons that showed, the, you know, the development of these characters. And this was kind of like their, okay, we could do this if we wanted to as well. We're not going to. But if they created a Midvale show and it was anything like that episode, dude, I would watch it every week. Because it was fantastic, and you're right. It, it was more about the dynamic of these two characters than the superhero part of it. And I think that's really what played off as well as it did with this show, or with that yeah. particular episode. Oh, uh, I loved it. I do have to say, though, it, it Midvale is my honorable mention. 
And I'm just going to go into this real quick. My favorite episode of the season, Midvale, is very, very close. Oh, the other one was my honorable mention, too. Yes. So, uh, slightly swapped. Which is only a couple episodes further Two, into the season. Three episodes uh, later. Yeah. Three episodes later, episode nine, Rain, the midseason finale. And it's not really for the episode itself. It is basically just for that kick-ass fight at the end between Rain and Supergirl. It is, uh, the, it is the best fight in the entirety of the Arrowverse, hands down. And that's both good and bad. Good in the sense of that it was just an amazing fight to lead us into a mid-season, mid-season break. But bad in the fact that it was the best fight we got out of that season. And it was episode nine, you know, when we had 13, 14 more episodes to go and we don't get anything even close to that before this season ends. So, you know, it was a fight we would have expected to come maybe towards the end of the season. But the fact that we got it at all was amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the critiques, uh, early critiques of the show, uh, if you guys have been with us since we started covering Supergirl, uh, with the very beginning of the start of DC Primetime, was um, always complaining that the fights in Supergirl, when Supergirl punched or there was combat, there was never any weight to it. Uh, it oh, there was loose, loose and floaty. Not at all in rain, man. Like you, it was a brutal knockdown drag out. And it reminded you so much, so, so much of when you read Death of Superman as a kid and you yeah. watched Clark and Doomsday just go toe to toe in Metropolis. It had that vibe. It had that feeling. And it's exactly what it needed to feel like. I kind of wish this was in the penultimate episode, though. But man, it was such an amazing sequence. Uh, you know, between them flying through buildings, having the fight continue into offices, they did these great first person shots and cuts that just made this like move lightning quick. There was property damage left and right in this episode. Uh, and then it ended with that beautiful sequence of rain just holding Kara by the throat and just dropping her to the street. And you were like, man, this is an amazing villain, an amazing villain. And man, I can't wait to see this play out. Yeah, I mean, and on top of that, too, I mean, one of the last things about that fight is the fact that fights like this that show flaws in the hero character, I love. Uh, I don't want to see a hero, a hero character be and seem unbeatable. And this this fight really made us question whether or not Kara could do it. We know, obviously, as viewers, she's going to win in the end. But for a second, this made us question it. And that shows a good well-written fight yeah and and it was great it was no it was that big part of it was uh i think it made you look at this and you're like are they gonna twist the death of superman in this season it kind of felt like that when they were doing the episode of rain i'm like are they gonna do this they, i think they might i i think they may go this route yeah um and it man can you imagine if they actually did that would have been great if they did season four would have been yeah, uh, it, it, they did the reign of Supergirl or, or the reign of Super uh, Supergirls instead. Oh, God. oh my that God, been, that would have been fantastic! Damn it! <laughs> why, why does my brain do that to me sometimes? Uh, now that's what I want for season four. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, let's let's wrap this up um, and let's rate our villains and rate the season as well. Again, we're going to do this in two ways: uh, one through ten, one through three being sidekick, four through seven being hero, and eight through ten being legend. Uh, let's start with the villain or villains. Uh, what do you give the villains of this season? Uh, getting a hero. 
they're definitely going to get a hero. Uh, I'm going to actually say, because this is probably the best villains we've had on Supergirl, which is not saying much, which is sad to say. Um, but I will say uh, I'm going to give them a 6.5, maybe. Actually, no, I'll bump it up to a 7. Uh, I think they're, they're worthy uh, worthy of the 7, primarily because of Rain, Rain herself and the story that they did with Sam and Ruby, which is funny because it's the first time we said probably Sam and Ruby this entire episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mentioned were, Sam earlier yeah. when I should have mentioned Ruby because it was I, I was talking about the daughter and I said Sam, but that sorry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, Sam was such an interesting character. Like we really grew to enjoy her and like her a lot this season. But watching her play off as Rain was really interesting. Um, and. When she was Rain, though, you're right. When we got to this episode now, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And every time we worked with just purely Rain, man, that score was getting closer into Legend territory. And it was just a fun, great, wonderful villain that was multifaceted. And then they brought in the other world killers, which were just essentially bruisers. Like, they felt like henchmen to to Rain in the grand scheme of things. So I really tried not to include them. The problem was... What kept it from greatness was, again, those Kryptonian witches that were really only in for like three or four episodes that added an unnecessary layer to a villain that was already good. So, yeah, no. And I'm right there with you, too. I mean, as far as the rating the villains go, I, if you rate the villains as a whole, meaning Rain and the world killers, I, I go about maybe like a six point five. And it's mainly because we've mentioned this a number of times throughout this annual that the world killers themselves with the Kryptonians included in that towards the end of the season, kind of, they're actually what kind of brought the score down. If we went with Rain as the villain itself, the score would have been much higher. Because, again, from that fight in Episode 9, they made Rain a formidable villain for this season. And somebody who put Supergirl in her place really almost put her down for the, actually did put her down for the count, not permanently, but, you know, she did get back up from it. But, the most formidable villain that we've seen Supergirl have yet and really put the, the, the hammer on that nail in episode nine. So had it been just rain or even if they kind of brought the world killers into it a little bit later, but by the end went with our prediction that when the world killers were killed, she kind of absorbed their powers and got, became even stronger, man. Like, could you imagine, excuse me, how that fight would have been compared to nine if she was an even stronger version of herself by the end of the season, had that happened and she was like, they they took the, the powers of the world killers and brought them into Rain, I, I wouldn't have known what to think. I would have been dumbfounded by how strong this character was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So by bringing the Kryptonians into it and reviving the world killers in the way that they did, I was kind of like, eh, all right. I kind of drug it down a little bit. So as a whole, 6.5, if it were just Rain easily would have been like an eight if not higher yeah that's why i kind of fell in that seven and you 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 and me pretty much had the exact same thought process on exactly how that played out so it was you know yeah the world killers themselves the kryptonian wishes they just they brought that score down brain as a whole though yeah would have deserved the legend in my opinion yeah uh the season itself all of season three uh again one through ten sidekick hero or legend what do you give the season as a whole uh, the score that will return yet again after this one uh, <laughs> is going to be a seven. Uh, I think still the best season of Supergirl yet. Uh, I, I will absolutely state it was a, a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable season. I can't remember the score I gave for last year, but I, I think it may have been right around the same. 
Uh, but my personal enjoyment of this season was this was my favorite so far of Supergirl. This, this show seems like it was trying to find its footing last year, and it did a good job of doing so. Uh, you know, we saw Superman come into play. This season really did a great job of building the normal cast uh, of Supergirl. And uh, massive, massive um, changes in the status quo by season's end, uh, from where we start to where we end. And uh, it's exciting because it feels like this show consistently gets better and better and better. And I think we're going to see some really amazing things from this next year. Um, uh, you know, I love the idea that we have a, uh, a trans uh, actress coming into play, uh, you know, a trans character next season. I love the fact that they're doing stuff like this and moving these, this kind of, you know, ideas forward with representation and doing this through the lens of, of Supergirl is perfect. And I'm really, really excited to see them continue that idea and messaging. It fits so beautifully in the show, and this season was a great, uh, you know, connection point again to uh, family bonds with characters between Ruby and Sam, between John and Marin, between you know Alex and Maggie, uh, just showing how those things fall you can grow or fall apart between Kara and Alex again, Monel and Kara, all these pieces, you know, you know Monel and, and, and um, uh, Emra, like all these things were so wonderfully done and crafted and there's an episode we didn't even talk about that also was really very beautiful we, we brought it up really quick which shot through the heart where, like wins episode with uh, him and his mother it's a really touching really strong and really beautiful episode and this season while there was a lot of disjointed pieces and parts and characters that didn't need to be there like morgan edge and and, and the, the other kryptonians um the other world killers did bring that down but the rest of the story Really, really exceptional, and I think they did a really great job here. Uh, you know, again, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with Lena. She, she had a character. She was a character that constantly feels on the edge, that can go one way or the other, and we haven't seen that tilt happen in full yet. And it's the question of is it coming or is it not? And I really want to see this play out. But this was a beautiful, beautiful setup for things to come, and I think they really succeeded in what they were trying to do this year. And um, and I think as a whole, that seven is really, really warranted. It's not quite in that legend territory, but really, really close. No, I and you, you, you kind of touched base on a lot of uh, different things that I was going to bring up, which kind of saves me some time. So that's good. Uh, <laughs> but I give, I give the season itself a seven point five as well. I'm right there in that hero borderline legend territory. But it's so interesting because you, you mentioned hearing, you know, watching season three and feeling like season three was one of the best seasons that Supergirls put on so far. And I agree with you. And you know, again, a lot of it has to do with that rain dynamic, and it has to do with that family dynamic of, you know, with Carl Lumby joining the cast for a short period of time. There are a lot of things that add to it. There were some things that took away from the season as well. But when you go and you look online of that difference of opinions and, and things, it's so funny how contrast there are of different opinions. Because I've read a number of reviews who feel like season three is the worst season that Supergirl has done. So, again, this is one of those things we bring it up time and time again. Form your own opinion. Don't go by us. You might disagree with us completely. We're just giving you our opinion. But I agree with you. I think season three is one of the best seasons that they have, that they've had so far. Um, we're losing a couple characters going into season four obviously we know chris wood is not returning we know that um that win is only going to be there for a part-time but brainy is coming in on a more full-time aspect so we're, we're kind of getting a trade with that but some of the things that they've set up as you mentioned we're getting a trans character getting introduced next year we're getting uh this is going to be mentioned in the news a little bit later but we're getting some characters that are connected to lex Luthor that are going to be getting that are coming into the season and 
so it feels like we're getting closer and closer to a possibility of a Lex appearance at some point in this. <clears throat> I would not be surprised if we see Lex Luger. And not only that, but one of the things that you I don't I don't think you mentioned if you did, it kind of fogged through my head when you were talking about next season is it looks like we're going to get a play of like Red Son, Red Son, a.k.a. Red Daughter, uh, a little bit going into next season, which I'm really interested in seeing where they're going to take that. And and hopefully they don't do anything bad with it uh so uh, my my oh god yeah i, I guess we got to get a little bit in our quick predictions for next year um uh, yeah oh I, yeah that 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 red sun idea transposed into supergirl is such an interesting thing and i really hope that that character sticks around becomes our power girl um uh, and stays stays for the long term maybe goes off into legion territory to become uh ah, become send, power girl there. send her to like earth that. send her to earth prime Oh God! Just beat down <laughs> Superboy Prime. Done and done. <laughs> we'll just cut randomly. You know, it'll just be the husk of Superboy Prime, and it's Supergirl Prime just reading comics in bed about the adventures of Supergirl in on Earth Earth nineteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so either that or send her to Earth one and just make her like part of the team with Oliver and company. <laughs> That's uh, Oliver and company. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like that too. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I really don't have many other predictions. I'm just kind of going with the flow and just waiting to see where they're going to take the season because I'm excited for season four. Uh, all I got to say is if you can do anything next season, I, I do really want to see Tyler Hoechlin come back. One, well, at least one more episode. I want to see him as Superman one more time. I do, too. Uh, and I really they, man, they, we got to see Lex's manner this last season, which was damn awesome. Uh, we, we, uh, if memory serves correctly, we also saw Lillian Luther this, this year we did. in the, in the, uh, in, in the full on Lex armor, armor. Yep, uh, power you know, armor. That was an amazing moment too. We're getting so close to seeing Lex. It's time. I, I agree. It's single, just one episode. Just, just do it either that, or maybe to set it up for season five where Lex comes into the picture. Now I did. Man. Uh, yeah, I did see something online, and I, I take it with a grain of salt, as we do most things, that I've seen some things that may lead me to believe that the Batwoman aspect of the crossover is actually going to happen on Supergirl, um, and Supergirl's Earth, not Earth-1. I, I don't know if I believe that or not, So uh, because I feel like there's also been rumors that Batwoman is getting introduced in Arrow before the crossover. So I, I don't know. It's something I'm just going to wait and see. I'm not going to try and make any predictions on that as well. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for the actual annual aspect of this and our recap of season three of Supergirl. So with that being said, not much news. I don't think a lot of it came last week out of Comic-Con, but there are a couple things out there. Yeah, this so is a, this is a little bit of follow up, but yeah. uh, we'll start on the light side. We're going to start TV, then work our way into the films. Uh, we did find out officially today. Uh, Kevin Smith is going to be directing episode four of Supergirl this season. Uh, we don't know if he's doing anything else. I know uh, Kevin Smith has had a new show picked up called Hollyweed that he uh, he shot, I think, about a year or two ago. And he's been pushing that big time, man. Um, actually, a lot of people were saying the people that saw the pilot, really damn funny, too. So uh, I'm very curious to check it out. So, But uh, we do know he's definitely coming back to, uh, to do some directing on Supergirl. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, as we mentioned, too, because we're on Supergirl discussions, uh, Mercy Graves is coming in Lex Luthor's bodyguard into season four, and she will be one of the villains, which sounds pretty awesome, um, which uh, I believe they did give us the announcement on who the actress is. I'm trying to see real quick. 
Um, sorry, it takes a second sometimes to find this stuff. Uh, played by Rona uh, Mitra, and then uh, then uh, the a character I'm not as familiar with is Otis Graves. Uh, is going to be Robert Baker uh, is the uh, actor playing uh, playing that character. So we'll be seeing them together, and I'm wondering if they're going to play up that Otis angle the, from. Uh, I was just thinking that because when classic, I uh, yeah. Because when I hear Otis, that's who I think. I think of from the original Superman. Uh, they did say this is Otis Graves will be her enforcer who isn't as smart as his sister, but is described as having a savant-like abilities to assassinate aliens. So I think we're really uh, – they did say officially he's never appeared in comic books, uh, but the character was somewhat created for Superman the movie by Richard Donner. Um, so it sounds like it's a twist on the classic Otis character. So they did confirm that in this article. So we've uh, got Otis. We've got Miss Testmacher. We just need Lex. Yeah. And now we got Mercy. And Mercy is a huge character in, in Superman mythos. So it's yeah. really exciting to see Mercy kind of jumping into play because she is such a big enforcer and has been for Lex forever. So really excited to see what they're going to do with that. So um, uh, moving on to Arrow real quick, they did say uh, there was a little bit with John Ramsey and kind of talking about the relationship between him and Oliver heading into the new season. David like, Ramsey. Or David Ramsey. No, you no. do that. You did that last week, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's just that John Diggle, David Ramsey. Part, yeah. Like, just squish him together. Uh, and they did say at the video beginning of the season, he's visiting Oliver in prison. There's a relationship that's really formed. These guys are bros again. You know, uh, he's giving him updates about what's happening in the world trying to catch and uh, take down Diaz. So it's over the past five months of imprisonment. So they said John's been there for Oliver through the entirety of all of this. So they said um, this is this is going back to the traditional relationship with them, even though they ended in kind of a rocky place. Uh, they said that that's reformed and, and everything is kind of reconnected by the uh, the start of the season. So it's good to see they're going back in that direction again. So. Um, as far as the Flash, not a ton here, but Grant did give a little tease about something coming in the very first episode. He's like, he said, I don't want to tell you guys much, but in the very episode, two things happened that I've wanted to happen for five years. One of them is a huge action sequence that is directly out of the comics. And I remember thinking when I read that, we'll never, ever be able to do this in, in the show. And he's like, which absolutely sucks because it's so cool. And now we're doing it. Yeah, we're absolutely doing this huge thing in the very first episode. And I'm really excited about it because I know our visual effects guys are going to kill it. <laughs> and what we shot was phenomenal. So uh, very cool to see that. Um, and then he's, and then yeah, there's one thing that happens in the first episode as well that will be a little bit of a teaser uh, that will be a part of that, that teaser trailer that came out in San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, so something I've been – one thing that I know fans have been wanting for a long time. So he said expect – a huge giant start to uh, the next season. You know, and you know what's funny too, going back to Arrow real quick is I watched a bunch of interviews and stuff like that with cast and crew of these shows that came out of San Diego Comic Con, and somebody asked uh, the the crew of Arrow what their favorite stunt is um, that they that they did that, that they got to do themselves, and Amel uh, quoted and he said that his favorite stunt that he has done with the show so far and the biggest stunt that he has done with the show so far is the premiere of season seven nice but i, I but he's in prison so i don't know it might just be this massive brawl it, I, I, probably yeah and I, I have a feeling that's what's to come and I, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll see Bam Bam is in the director's chair probably for the uh, the start he is I would not be he is, oh, he, he is he is the director of the premiere yeah Perfect. That's exactly what should happen and what, you, what I want to see. Yep. All right. Jumping to Legend of Tomorrow. 
the most important story of this week because there wasn't a lot of other major things. But <laughs> Evo is coming to another show. <laughs> uh, there was a shot that got released last week uh, where we saw some sequences from National City at a fair where they're actually doing like the milk can knockover things. And all the things are actually little uh, stuffed Bebos that they're trying to knock over. So uh, it's a really great little shot. Um, you know, and Phil Clever did kind of say, he's like, sometimes you just get lucky and audiences really enjoy something stupid that you do. And it kind of ends up blowing up on you. So he said, expect to see a lot more Bebo across the Arrowverse this year in little s- small ways and nods to the fans. I'm, I, you so. know, I, they can show me Bebo all they want. I want a <laughs> stuffed Bebo. I do too. I really do. I want one. <laughs> uh, staying in the Legends of Tomorrow territory, we did find out officially Rip Hunter will not return whatsoever in season four it's of Legends sad. of Tomorrow. The character is, they said, he id, uh, did indeed die. He d- uh, he did dead. He, he done dead. <laughs> he done uh, dead. Uh, but they did say that does not close out uh, a possible return uh, the following season uh, down the road. They said they always will leave the door open to bring Arthur Darmel back. They said, we love Arthur. We love having Arthur on the show. And I think Arthur enjoys being on the show because it's a time travel show. We never saw a body that anything is possible. I think Arthur's totally willing to come back and play with us if we have a great and fun idea. And they said, as of right now, this is uh, the end for Rip for the time being. All right, so let's head over to the movie side of things. There's only a couple tiny things to touch on. Uh, We did find a little bit more about the Joker film. We did find out at the very end of the week that Robert De Niro is uh, in talks to join the Joker film. Uh, Everybody said he might be playing a TV personality uh, or a reporter. Uh, Somebody joked and said, oh, it's going to be Jack Ryder. I don't think it's going to be Jack Ryder. I think he's going to be more of an antagonist. And if that's the case, I think he's going to be G. Gordon Godfrey, more than likely. Um, if you've ever read the comics or are familiar with Justice League uh, Unlimited, things like that, uh, he was kind of one of those um, kind of kind of tilts a little bit, kind of almost like a xenophobic um, reporter that's got a little bit of a, a, a mixture of like Rush Limbaugh to like some of the other uh, real hardcore like um, alt-right that are really kind of trying to take down, you know, you know heroes and such. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be the angle that they might be playing because he's a kind of a perfect antagonist of kind of be somebody to push this character over the edge a little bit more where Jack Ryder is going to be a, is a little bit more classically just a traditional reporter. So I think that might be where we're seeing this happen. So or it could just be a brand new character. But if they're going to connect, that may be exactly what they're talking about. Uh, we did find out another character that might be joining into the mix, which is uh, there's some talk right now that uh, we could be seeing none other than Rupert Thorne, a classic other Batman villain, actually is one of the mobsters in this. So we're still waiting to hear a little bit more uh, about all these pieces and what may indeed be happening. Uh, but they did say right now the uh, the casting look is male Caucasian in his 60s, deeply tanned hair dyed so black it was almost blue. Very highly successful New York City businessman, rumored to be running for mayor. He's a public figure and a symbol uh, in the city and a symbol of wealth and is a strong supporting character in this character role. So um, everybody's trying to figure out what this is. But, yeah, uh, we do know in the comics, Rupert Thorne is a corrupt politician term crime boss. So this could fit into the play perfectly. And it kind of nods a little bit if you've ever read Brian Azzarello's uh, story that was uh, just called Joker, which was phenomenal. So uh, I have a feeling they might be kind of taking some of those pieces and crafting a new story around it. So this movie, yeah, the, the movie just keeps getting more and more intriguing every yeah. time. Every time we see more out of it, so um, um, yeah, 
And then uh, Frances Conroy, uh, she was actually just cast as well to play uh, Joker's mother. Um, for those of you that were fans of How I Met Your Mother, she actually played Barney Stinson's mom. So, <laughs> so, uh, but I guess she's a she's a classic, classically trained actress. So she should uh, she be a great connection. She'll add a lot. Yeah, she'll yeah. add a lot to the film. Yeah. Um, the last two stories, real quick. Uh, Aquaman. We did find out officially from Yahya Abdul Mati stating that Aqualad officially ain't gonna be in the movie. Y'all. It's, <laughs> but as he officially said, and then it said low confirmed. Uh, so no Aqualad. So if you're waiting to see him joining into the mix or Caldor, neither of them will be in this film. So uh, this is just a pure focus. And last but not least, uh, Man of Steel 2 news, folks, from Jeff Johns on the status. He said, look, he's like, everybody's wanting to know what's going on with this. He's like, working with DC Films president Walter Hamada and Warner Brothers president and CCO Toby Emmerich over there at Warner Brothers, they all feel the same way as everybody else. We all love Superman, and we know how important Superman is. Um, he's like, it's not in my re- wheelhouse now to really say anything beyond that, but I got into this business because of Superman the movie, because of Dick Donner directed what I think is still an amazing superhero film, uh, and it's an American classic. He said, uh, you know, they said, regardless, when they have everything exactly the way it was and they need it to be, they said it's very much in development, but... Uh, nothing will be announced quite yet, but it's uh, it, it's it's coming. But they did say they want this character to be perfect. They said they will not accept any mistakes on this one. And they said Man of Steel two will be the Superman everybody has been waiting for. They uh, so. they they better hurry because they might lose Cavill to Bond. <laughs> oh, Cavill, you know would still do both. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, there was uh, another quick nod to uh, John's did state as far as Green Lantern. He said it's definitely coming along, but he said it will be a full reinvention of the Green Lantern mythos. He said what he did for Green Lantern with Rebirth of the comics, he said expect something very similar. Uh, not a, He said it's a rebirth of a rebirth when he said what it's this movie. He said he wants to update a few things that have gotten very convoluted over the years in comics and kind of scale it back, but still let it be the classic story. But uh, with a nice little new nods and takes that he said there's probably going to start being reflected in the comics already. So uh, so a lot to be excited for. But that closes that out. Oh, crap. I have two minutes. Uh, <laughs> so we got to we got to. You've got four on my watch. <laughs> um, all right. So let's mention a couple quick recommendations and then we can get out of here so you can do your own thing. Um, mine are really, really quick. Uh, if you haven't, we mentioned it a number of times throughout this annual. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to our interview with David Harewood, I highly recommend going back and listening to it. He was very engaging, super nice guy. And especially when we started talking about Supergirl, you can tell he's so passionate about being a part of the show that he just loved talking about it. He really opens up when we start talking about Supergirl. <clears throat> So if you haven't yet heard that interview, go back a little bit of ways. It's still on our website, and we'll repost it on the on the Facebook page as well. Um, but on top of that, if you haven't had an opportunity to see it, we highly recommend it. Teen Titans go to the movies. Go see this movie. It is wonderful. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It is hands down. It's such an amazing movie to the point. We that almost I went and saw it. it again. Yeah, and, and <laughs> on Friday. And, yeah, and. <clears throat> would happily pay to watch that again. So I'm 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 ready to see that one more time at least in the theater if humanly possible. Yeah. But uh well well worth your time if you're a DC fan, so definitely check that out. Yeah. Uh what about you? Anything else additional to recommendations or No, no, it was gonna be Teen Titans Go. Yeah, oh. It was for minors with it just coming out this past Thursday. If you haven't had a chance, 
man, go see it. Go see it as soon as you can. All right. Uh, cheap plugs, and we'll get out. You can find me on my other podcasts, also here on the Next Level Podcast Network, the Showcast Spotlight, which is our interview podcast in which we just interviewed um, David Keckner, who you know from Anchorman and The Office. Great interview, very engaging. Go over and check that out. As well as my other podcast, uh, We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, which is recording its next episode uh, tomorrow, <clears throat> Monday, as a matter of fact. So that'll be posted very, very relatively soon. NextLevelRadioOnline.com, Facebook.com slash NextLevelRadioOnline, and of course the Facebook page for this podcast, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And as for me, you can always find me at the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods podcast at NextLevelRadioOnline.com. Our last episode just went up, I think it was about a week or two ago, yep. which was our Mythology and Legends episode, which was a ton of fun to do. A little tricky, but a lot of fun to do, as I mentioned. Uh, I'm pretty sure our next episode is going to be a ton of fun because I think the entirety of the episode is going to be all Jim Henson. Ooh, uh, I'm a part of that. I want in. Uh, I think that actually <laughs> might be a two-parter. It's going to depend on how far we get through it. Um, but, uh, I think that's, uh, that's where my brain is leaning. I haven't even told everybody else yet. So this is the first time I'm making that announcement, but I'm pretty sure Henson is our next episode, uh, which we'll probably be recording about two, maybe three weeks. So I just want to talk, follow that bird. Oh God. Such a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. It is a really good movie. It is. Um, even for a kid's film, man, that, 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 that it, it's, it's a really fun, just cameo fest. That's just thoroughly enjoyable. So. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. With that being said, next week we are jumping into Legends territory, and that is because we are doing our Legends Season 3 annual, so stick around for that. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.